and welcome back to They Made Another One, where each week we study an often forgotten installment in a franchise and see how it holds up all on its own. I'm one of your hosts, Corey. And I'm your other host, Liam. And we are celebrating Christmas today. We're a couple days early, but that's the nature of scheduling for you. Liam, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, Corey. We'll, we'll, get a, uh, we'll get a Christmas on a Wednesday one of these days. I mean, we did last year, didn't we? Didn't our episode come out on Christmas Day? I thought it did. Hmm. Let me well, check. This year, this year it's on a Friday, but we did have that yeah. leap year. Santa so. Claus Three: The Escape Clause. Check it out. Came out on Christmas Day. Holy shit! We well, already did it. We're we're covered. We're gonna, we're, we don't have to do it anymore. That's, that's quite the first Christmas episode. We're not going to be able to top that. No Holy shit. And uh, so I kind of like to think um, of the movie that we choose to cover on Christmas Day as like a gift to ourselves. You know. We, we can pick something that like really fits the season, something we're excited about. We can, uh, you know, really knock it out of the park. Or we can do what we did to ourselves this year. Yeah, why haven't we done that? That sounds like a much better idea. Yeah, because what we did do, I'm just going to start. Because Liam and I discovered something dark and grim and ominous about this movie that we had forgotten about, but keen listeners maybe won't have. Uh so we're talking about a Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> the, the actor who played Ralphie died on set. <laughs> Keen listeners might know that. He was shot by the by the Red Rider BB gun. <laughs> um, yeah, it fucked up, right? It's crazy how nobody else talks about that. And the director just keeps going on making movies. He My sure gosh. does, because the director of A Christmas Story 2 is Brian Levant. Brian Levant, I we think, is the first person that we will have covered three times on this show. And if you're like us, you might be racking your brain, who the fuck is Brian Levant? Nobody knows who that is. Um, well, I certainly forgot when I reconvened with Liam earlier today. He had also forgotten and um you know the, so the movie's a couple minutes in right i'm starting to watch the movie i'm settling in I'm, I'm watching it in bed this time and um i'm just sort of seeing what we're what we're dealing with i'm getting a feel for the movie you're just you're like watching it you're I'm reading watching it, it and you're hearing it yeah, yeah my senses are all firing at their usual levels and um i see it i i see the director credit brian levant and i'm like huh that feels like kind of familiar, not overly familiar. I'm like, I wonder who he is. Did I go to middle school with that guy? Did I go to did, did he die in middle school? <laughs> Maybe. I'll have to check. And um So we talked about him once because he was one of the writers for Leave It to Beaver, which is a movie that I think we generally liked. I think that's fair to say. Oh yeah, yeah, that's yeah. a positive experience. Uh among his other credits, he also directed the Flintstones in Viva Rock Vegas, uh, which is the first time I think a movie fully broke the show. We just double-checked. That episode literally has a disclaimer because it broke the format, and we only talked about the movie for 20 minutes because it was so batshit insane, we could not handle any more than that. Yeah, and by batshit insane, Corey means bad. Bad, but we've bad. Had, we've had some batshit insane stuff that that we could keep talking about, and we like it. This is this one was bad, right? But it was bad. It's bad in an interesting way, but also a very off-putting one. So you don't really want to talk about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And at the yeah, beginning of that episode, 
I said that this guy did a Christmas story too. Now, he that fact did not come up once while we were picking our Christmas movies. It may or may not have been on the list already. We're not we don't really remember. Um but unbeknownst to us, we stepped into a Brian Levant trap and didn't even know it. And that's the that's the gift we got ourselves is a Brian Levant film. After he did that to us. What a twist. Like, it was right there in front of our eyes, and Brian Levant still managed to sneak in. I mean, I gotta, my eyes gotta stop glazing Ugh. over when you read off your, your <laughs> cast and crew you, list. You, you take <laughs> off your headphones and walk out of the room for a while? I gotta start paying attention. Normally, that's when I go to the washroom, grab some chips, you know, maybe we need... take my dog for a walk yeah. in some movies. Well, because it takes a while. I, sometimes I decide that I need to read off, like, who did craft services. That's and that just right, takes yeah. too long, but um, and then, and then we learned that that person did craft services on other movies. Yeah, and, it's just, and then it's it's, it's wild. Yeah, like the guy who supplied all the unicycles on Batman Returns also supplied all of the unicycles for where am I going here? Airbud. Nice. Yeah, There's I was wondering. Th- <laughs> is there a unicycle in that? Probably. All the unicycles. There actually for might the be. Invisible Man. There- yeah. <laughs> He's actually, he's riding one in every single scene. Yeah, uh, the person who did craft services on A Christmas Story 2 also made the cookies out of human flesh from Black Christmas 2006. <laughs> Honestly, like, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. We've learned that, you know, people, you just got to do your job regardless of the quality <laughs> of the movie. And so, yeah, you you might have to do food for both those movies. Who knows? Yeah, and so... That's um, an investigative journalism piece. It, that that should be our niche, Corey. That's our end. There it is. And anyway, um, so Liam, I just want to do this first. This is so much more important than the actual movie. Who gives a shit about the actual movie? Yeah, what, I've got... There's, there's plenty we can do before we get to the actual movie. How did you respond? Was me telling you that it was him when you realized it was him? Because I realized, obviously, mid, mid-screening, mid and that was a roller coaster. But where were you at? I, I, you broke the news to me, for sure. Um, it made a lot of sense immediately. I think I would have been more floored had I not seen the movie, or at least I would have been... Uh, I would have been more impacted by the news, but um, to know that after I saw the movie that he was responsible for both these movies, it, it just like... It was just a little punctuation mark at the end. It was like, oh, okay, I understand this now. It's like poetry, Um, it rhymes. Yeah, and I'll admit, when I saw his name, I was viewing the movie as well. My senses were taking it in, and I read Brian Levant. By the way, when you watch a movie and the opening credits are happening, um, and you're getting deep into it, like you're seeing like production assistant or, or all the people at the beginning do you read all those as they're happening or do you are you able to tune them out and pay attention to the opening scene given that there is one i've never found it intrusive so i find i'm usually able to clock like the names and what's happening like the credit design and layout itself would have to be intrusive for it to be like a huge distraction at a certain point i think like you're saying if it gets really deep um and it's not like a 40s movie that has opening credits that are just like credits. Um, then maybe I'll start to... I can tune them out, but I find that usually I can clock both without it being that big of a problem. Do you find that you can only do one or the other? No, I do I do both as well. And I've figured that that's kind of the way most people would go, like, like subtitles or something. But I've actually asked a couple of my friends and they say that they don't read the, the names at all. They're just looking at the movie. That's and toxic. They, 
Oh, yeah. So I've, I've thought that's interesting. That's anyway, disrespectful. Um, yeah, <laughs> that's why we. That's why we do our. That's how. Credit that's how we on got this in this situation. Was not paying enough care to the credits. So I read his name, Brian Levant. I, t- I took care, <clears throat> and Getting I thought that up. I recognized it. <laughs> I thought that I recognized it, and so I too looked it up after the movie was over. And I saw that the director did Flintstones, but it only <laughs> until you until you go to the actual filmography section, yep. it just it says that he did Flintstones and it's the first movie. And in my memory, it would make sense that the per- person who directed the first Flintstones movie did not direct the second. So I assumed <laughs> that he he did the slightly better Flintstones movie. And so uh um, when I learned that he did both Flintstones movie, I mean, it made me dislike the first Flintstones movie. <laughs> yeah, how did even that more. happen? How did that happen? Yeah, and and uh, and it all clicked into place. And he's done a whole bunch of movies that would fit right in for this podcast. That's kind of his his thing. He's the blockbuster movie yeah, guy. There's I, a, I describe there's a, there's him. A quote on his there's a quote on his page all about blockbuster movies. I describe him in our Flintstones episode as the patron saint of this podcast. Do you? Yes. Oh, that's perfect. Yeah. yeah. And we're just, we're learning it as the podcast we're is We're already going on. singing just... the hits. We're already oh revisiting old material here. And I, th- I think we've burned the bridge of getting him on this podcast, ah! but he, he, he would have been good if we didn't trash him. It depends on how good of a sport he is, I guess. Does he know what he did? Yeah. I mean, the, the quote on his Wikipedia page about this, um, he says that his his movies are you know typically critically panned and stuff and he says he's he's making movies for the kid he was when he was at his house you know watching uh and he gives some examples of just like some fun movies and he says that it it really means a lot to him when he's like in a blockbuster and sees a family take his film off the shelf to rent it and he says that's who's making the movies for so um that he knows what his audience is at the very least and he doesn't respect he... them at all <laughs> and i guess he wouldn't take issue with us not being that audience but uh you know i guess we'll we'll see how we feel about this movie maybe if we uh <laughs> you know maybe maybe he saved himself would we have done an entire opening section about the fact that he did this if he had saved himself yeah, he didn't save himself. He didn't man. save this movie, himself. This, this movie sucks. But before <laughs> before we get there, Corey, um, I figured because Christmas is a whole year away, you know, next Christmas, of course, because this is Christmas. Right I like here. how it's Christmas right now and you're already like, well, let's talk about 2021. Well, we're just we're not going to get a chance to talk about Christmas after this episode until next Christmas time. So I right. figure <laughs> we should get all the Christmas talk out of the way. And I'm just wondering... uh. You know how many Christmas, how many other Christmas movies we can talk about before we have to talk about Christmas Story too? So, like, I don't <laughs> know if we've talked about this before. We very well might have, because clearly I forget a lot. But what are what are some Christmas movies you like? You know, it's funny. I feel like every time we talk about a specific holiday, this is the thing I do when I'm like, oh, I don't know, I don't love holidays. <laughs> like, I'm just like this weird. Uh, unpatriot not unpatriotic i think i made the same mix-up last time we did this um like i'm not always super enthusiastic about the holidays so i don't know if i have a ton of like um off the top of my head like christmas classics that i seek out every year or everything i feel like i have this gut feeling that the live action grinch movie is probably still pretty good i haven't seen it lately so like maybe i'm wrong 
but I've got this feeling that that movie's probably still good, and I remember liking it as a kid. Um, but I find that what sort of happens at the holiday season for me is stuff just ends up playing on TVs, and like some of it's definitely Christmas movies, but some of it's just like random other stuff that ends up on there. So I don't know if I have a great like go to catalog or like playlist of Christmas stuff like the Grinch was like the first thing that came into my head and it's still one of the only things that has come to my head so far <laughs> well here let me let me shoot some titles yeah, at me. you and we'll we'll see how you respond so this will be rapid fire round just give yeah. your opinion Home Alone good it's a good movie sure I haven't seen it in a couple probably years but good well let's double down on that then Home Alone 2 if I've seen it, it was like a decade or more ago, so I don't know. National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Uh, Seen it, for sure. Don't know if I can tell you what the plot of it actually is, Um, but there's a lot of lights, for sure. Mm-hmm. That there I know. Is, yeah, yeah. Uh, but again, that's one of those things where I feel like I haven't seen it, at least not properly, in at least... A couple of years, so I don't really remember. <laughs> All right, well, try this one, Opera Size. Krampus. I haven't seen Krampus. I saw the Red Letter Media video about Krampus. Does that count? Nice. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, uh, it's it's not nothing. <laughs> How about this one, Corey? Gremlins. Is Gremlins a Christmas movie? It is. Uh, Well, I guess that answers your question, because I don't remember that being Christmas-related. So I haven't seen that movie in a long time. <laughs> This is what this is segment is mostly revealing is that I don't watch I don't repeat watch movies a lot I guess. Well, let's uh let's finish it off with um and the, the pattern with all these movies I've said so far is I love these movies. I figured, so we don't, I figured we don't have to get into them. Yeah. Um there's a reason I didn't say Jim Carrey the Grinch and it's not because you already brought it up. It's because you and, don't like uh, it. Is it bad? Am I wrong? Is my gut feeling wrong? You can be honest. I, yeah, I think it's bad. I like I, I saw it pretty recently. You know, I liked it when I was a kid too. Right. Um, but like I, I rewatched it a couple years ago. I, I'd be glad to do it on the podcast if you ever want. Does that anyway? I, oh shit, that does count. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then there's a Grinch movie from like a year ago with Tyler the Creator music. Yeah, neither of us are familiar with. So maybe we can do a double feature sometime. Okay, one more Christmas In movie. June. We, we, we've <laughs> we've already sung our praises for Black Christmas out there, everybody. So. Um, and silent night deadly night part two (laughs) that's right let's go with a christmas story how do you feel um so i'm glad that we've got here this is a movie where um you know everybody knows everybody knows the hits Mm. right poke your eye out you know have you been osmosis jones on this movie Corey? is that your what does that mean it means you've just osmosed it. Oh, into right. Your body, yeah, that's what we call that. It. Is that what uh, we're getting? I think I have seen it, but what I was going to say was I couldn't possibly tell you what the movie is about. Like, and I don't mean that I don't know what's in it or I don't know, like, thematically what it's about, but I couldn't tell you the plot of the movie. Well, that's uh, that's fair. That's really fair, even if you've seen the like, movie. Because... He gets his tongue stuck in a pole, leg lamp, poke your eye out, shoot your eye out, whatever it is. Yeah. Well, his friend gets his tongue stuck on the pole. Somebody, Ralphie, a child, Ralphie abandons him. A child licks a pole, 
couldn't do that nowadays am i right and mm. gotta take your mask off for that they should make masks with zippers on them so you can unzip and get your tongue stuck to a pole like the good old <laughs> days <laughs> gotta keep childhood alive for the <laughs> would children. a zipper work is a zipper safe because you know i've seen mask was like drinking straw holes in them and shit and it's like well that clearly doesn't work but have you yeah I what if we put zipper zippers liam we're changing the game i think so merry christmas everybody we just had the greatest idea ever we need to patent this <laughs> stop the podcast. Hopefully, hopefully this covid thing lasts a bit longer so we have time so we to can fucking cash in <laughs> um no christmas story it, it, it totally makes sense that you can't remember what the plot is if you've seen it because it's a it's a very unconventionally structured movie. I mean, it's largely vignette based. And so all those moments that you're talking about, they, um, you know, they're they're tied together only by the fact that they've all happened over the same winter period and and there's some narration going on, you know, but they're based on um, memoirs, you know, stories by this dude Gene Shepard who co-wrote and narrates the movie. And those stories are just written about his childhood, you know, pulled from different memories of his childhood. And so, what Bob Clark, the director of the original Christmas or Black Christmas, which Black is Christmas amazing. story, yeah. <laughs> oh man, how has that title not been used yet? <laughs> um so what bob clark does is he just finds a way to like weave these stories into one another um so it's not quite an anthology movie but it also is totally different than your home alones or your uh national lampoon's christmas vacation um and i recognize that as a kid that this movie does feel very very strange um in the way it's structured and setting it in the 40s also makes it feel really different to a lot of other christmas movies because the christmas movies that were made in the 40s don't feel like that but the christmas movies that were made in the 80s and 90s also don't feel like it so it's it's a super super strange movie um that somehow became massive you know i i remember when I was a kid and my family had cable, um, a Christmas story would be played for 24 hours on various channels. Do you remember that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I remember. I think I've probably primarily seen that movie because it hap- it was it happened to be on on TV. Totally. Yeah, I think that's probably how 70% of the North American population has seen it. Yeah, and I I want I can't help but wonder if like that's what happened with all of those movies you listed is like i've probably seen them all but not correctly and over the course of like eight years yeah yeah and now we're getting to the point where um you've got to seek out what christmas movies you want to watch and then you've got to make them stay in rotation in your life you know we talked um on the elf episode about elf feeling like the last christmas classic you know the last movie that gets played over and over and that people talk about in that way and um and we got in you know you said very eloquently how there's just so much stuff now and the culture changed and i think that totally shows here um and for a movie to become a christmas classic nowadays any any christmas movie that has been released in the last 10 years 
you've got to like be in charge and make an effort to seek it out and get it and put it on and remember it and watch it. Whereas 15 years ago, 20 years ago, this stuff was curated for you and played. And so we have like the 10 big Christmas movies that Cable decided are classics. But then nowadays there are just as many, if not way more Christmas movies coming out of various genres. But um, we've got to work a bit harder to to make them you know endure the way yeah. that how are they going to cut through the noise did. of all the replays that we're doing of all of these different movies uh, i know like i know and, uh, classics i guess yeah it's tough and so uh some of the more recent movies that i think are christmas classics that um just feel that way to me despite i i didn't come to them through them being played on tv over and over is krampus of course um Arthur Christmas is a really cool. Is that animated? animated? Yeah, okay. Yeah, and I think that probably came out in 2010, 2012 or something. Um, that one is really charming, really cool. Um, did you hear of Happiest Season? That just came out that this year. That's kind of oh, fun, I've been eh? I've been seeing a lot of tweets about that. Yeah, I haven't yeah, watched and, it, but and it's too early to tell. But you know, maybe that'll stick that could around. Be it. So it's. It's it's just it's it's interesting that nowadays um it it'll it'll be cool to see ha- ha- what the Christmas classics people are talking about are twenty years from now. I think Krampus is definitely there, um, even regardless of quality, just because it's such <laughs> like a, a bold take. I think it's a really good movie, but I just mean to 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 do something so different and. Uh, on such a big scale, that's the sort of thing that is going to draw attention to itself. But the smaller movies, you know, who, who knows what will be the Christmas story 20 years from now, because Christmas story wasn't huge when it came out and it was through home video and being played on TV that it then became so beloved. So um, it's, it's interesting to think about all that stuff. Yeah. And I mean, it's weird because it's, it's always like kind of a fool's errand to try to predict it. Um, so I'm cur- I'm curious to see, too, how like, you know, things like Black Christmas from last year, like hold up and things like that in terms of people revisiting them all the time because you know, obviously things like the original Black Christmas still hold up so well after like, you know, nearly fifty years that, yeah, it- it's fun to wonder like what ends up- what's gonna end up getting all the TV time and stuff like that or, I guess if there's TV still. <laughs> Yeah, and like, um, you know, is the new Tyler the Creator Grinch gonna be a classic? <laughs> yeah, for maybe people who are our age. I know, hope so. That'd be years th- from now. That'd be cool for Tyler, I guess. Is Christmas Story <laughs> two gonna be a classic? No, I don't think it is. Now? I don't think it is. Let's find out. Do, did have we stalled long enough? <laughs> we might as well just get uh, there, man. I'll, I'll, I'll just, I'll, I'll cap it off by saying, uh, Christmas Story, the original. Yeah, I, I, I guess I was going to ask mean, how, how we should ask how you feel about that. Yeah, I love it, man. Um, I don't know if I came to it from it being played on TV or if I had the VHS tape first. I'm, I'm not sure, but I did have the VHS tape growing up. And so um, when, say, it wasn't on TV, if I felt like watching it in the summer, you which could. I did on occasion, I could. And then I didn't have cable in my bedroom. 
Um, and so I have this really vivid memory of it must have been 2008 or so. Um, and I couldn't sleep Christmas Eve. It's got to be about one in the morning. I'm just too excited. And so I got up from my bed. I went down to the basement. I hauled up our massive VHS player and brought it into my room because I did have a TV in my room, but it was just hooked up to a DVD player, no cable. And I hooked up this massive VHS player and I got the Christmas story tape. And this was 2008. So like Chris, uh, VHS tapes were still very nostalgic. Like this, this felt weird and it felt like I felt like I was like an adult and now I'm reflecting on my youth from like three years ago. And (laughs) I was like, I was, and, and this was me, um, like deciding that Christmas story was such a classic that I was doing what I've been saying here today that people are going to have to do with Christmas movies where it's like, I, I didn't have a way to just watch it. It wasn't just on TV. No one was picking it for me, but I had decided that it's Christmas Eve. I want to watch a Christmas story and so I have to I have to carve my own path. I have to make my own destiny. And so I got the VHS tape, put it in, um, and I, I watched it. And I remember feeling so nostalgic for it. And I had probably like just seen it a year before. Like I'm only 11 years old at this point. This is probably like in the prime of my Christmas story watching life. Um, but I guess it, maybe it was just something about the method or... You know, at that point in my life, it's like right around middle school. And so I felt like I was growing out of Christmas and childhood, but I was still excited for it and into it. And so I watched Christmas Story and it was totally sweet. I think I watched it two times um, and then it was like five in the morning and I couldn't take it anymore. I went down to the <laughs> living room and, and watched cable, waited for my parents to come up. And to be honest, I don't know if I've seen the movie in full since then. I can't recall a time, you know, I'm sure it's we've put it on TV while we're unwrapping gifts and stuff, but it's probably been over 10 years since I've sat down and watched the movie front to back. But it is one of those movies that, you know, it's it's up there with my most watched films. Um, I really dig it. I'd say it, it's not... Hmm. I don't know if it's up there with Home Alone and Christmas Vacation and stuff because that I've I've seen those even more than a Christmas story and they're like just more they're a bit more conventional and so they're easier to wrap my head around whereas Christmas story does have this sort of weird feeling to it where I can't tell how much of it is nostalgia and how much of it is the actual movie i would have to do a proper revisit to figure it out because those other two movies that i just listed home alone and christmas vacation i've seen those far more recently and so i know how i feel about them in adulthood but christmas story is a really peculiar film just because i think it's nostalgic for so many people but because so much of us came to it through watching it on tv i think there are so many christmas story fans that probably haven't seen it since childhood as well and so um or have never actually uh, even seen it in full like yeah right 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 so um it's 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 a really interesting movie i'm glad we have it and from what i remember you know i love it i did watch some clips online after watching christmas story 2 just to refresh myself and uh you know, I got to say that the 
<laughs> the the quality difference that I perceive in my head is not just from nostalgia. <laughs> so uh, let, let's go. Actually, let's do I thought of one story. way that we can actually delay a little bit further. Um, because you mentioned, yeah. um, I like how you're just like, great. I love that. Let's delay further. Um, you mentioned watching a Christmas story in July, if you so chose, or in the summer, because you had it on VHS. Oh, yeah. Talk about it. You know what we could have done? I know. You know, okay, so you know about the movie My Summer Story, also known oh, as It damn. Runs in the Family? It's on our we, list we for it. It's deep it? on the list. Oh, oh, yeah. We could have watched a Bob Clark movie with a Culkin in it instead of A Christmas Story too. I know. And well, Mary Steenbergen's in it, too. Yeah, look at it this way, Corey. We don't have to wait a full year to get to it. I mean, we, we can do it straight right in the summer. We can do it whenever we perfect. want. Yeah, anyway, yeah. I just wanted to point that movie out. Okay, so I guess we're here. Uh, yeah. Christmas Story 2 um, takes place seven years, I'm seeing here on Wikipedia, after the original film. Uh, I'm going to gloss over this part. Ralphie wants a car. He really likes this used convertible car, and he accidentally fucks it up, and the dealership man is willing to cut him a deal where if he pays for it, he won't tell his dad, the old man. And so he gets into antics trying to pay for the car and then ultimately decides in a Christmas spirit moment of glee and wisdom that he gives the money away to uh, a, a poor family that literally lives in an alley and is sitting around a flaming oil drum and, um, I don't know, learns the meaning of Christmas and gets away with not breaking the car and then gets a car for Christmas and for some reason gets a girl that we've barely seen him interact with literally at all, except for a couple weird vignettes where he just has like a crush on her. Uh, meanwhile, the dad is fighting with their furnace and bickering with his wife. That's the movie. Great. Um, I am going to spend some time quick on who made it just cause I find it kind of interesting. So the guy who wrote it is this is the narrator. His name is Nat Malden, and it's weird because he's got, like, very few other credits. Um, a movie called The In-Laws, the, uh, the Eddie Murphy Dr. Doolittle, um, some episodes of Night Court, like, really just a weird Motley Crue mixed bag of shit that he has worked on, but the, uh, the the composer is somebody that we've actually talked about before. His name is David Newman, and he's got so many credits, like great movie credits or just interesting ones. I'm gonna pick a bunch here really fast. Um, Critters, The Brave Little Toaster, uh, the first two Bill and Ted movies at least. I haven't seen if he did the third two. Heather's, um, Ducktales the movie. Rover Dangerfield, the animated movie where Rodney Dangerfield is a dog. Uh, The first Flintstones, Coneheads, Tommy Boy, The First Jingle All the Way, Galaxy Quest, Nutty Professor 2. He also did Viva Rock Vegas, unfortunately for him, I guess. Um, He did The Cat in the Hat, the weird one. The uh, he's done all kinds of shit, and it's weird because he started doing some kind of like cool stuff, and then he kind of got into weirder stuff by the end, like the weird sequels and whatever. But so he did the music, um, and the, 
Uh, one sec. I, I've got a bunch of tabs open here trying to like find all this information. Cinematographer Wikipedia has basically no information about them. Uh, let me see if IMDb helps at all. Not really. Not a ton of stuff going on here. That is super notable for us. Their name, though, is uh, Yan or Jan Keiser or Keiser. I don't, I don't, I don't know how to say it, unfortunately. And um, I do want to talk about. <laughs> I d- I would like to talk a bit about um, who uh, who stars in this movie. <laughs> um, sure, because. <laughs> So I was I was looking at these, it's like okay Daniel Stern's in it everybody knows who Daniel Stern is I don't need to tell everybody about Daniel Stern it's Daniel. He's one of the robbers in Home Alone he is yeah that's true the tall one not to yeah. be confused with the penguin and um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh so um Ralphie <laughs> I found this out literally minutes before we started so Ralphie is played by a uh. Braden uh Lemasters, which I might be saying a little bit wrong. I don't know how to say his last name. But um he's in the band Wallows. Now, yeah. Did you know it was him? I yeah, I somehow knew this before watching the wow, movie. Cause, I, I don't know how, so, but I I knew that. Um I'm a really, really big fan of Wallows. So realizing this, like mere moments where we started, like set my brain into orbit. <laughs> like I just had I no f- well, because like just like visually i'm just like i i don't know it just didn't look like him i guess to me it was very weird to discover this information and um so sorry you discovered it after seeing the movie yeah like i just i didn't i had no reason to believe it was him so i just never got there uh that was just an unexpected thing as a fan of the band um and i mean i guess this is a very actor band because you know dylan minette obviously gets around uh don't breathe 13 reasons why he's going to be in scream you know so they're covered with actors yeah. uh, and um the uh oh boy i don't know how to say her last name i didn't read it until right now uh tiara uh scovey scovey i don't know how to say it whatever it doesn't matter uh she plays uh the girl he has a crush on whose name i've already forgotten whose name is drew silla um which i've never heard before have you heard that name before? Yeah, there's there's a character in Buffy named Drusilla, but it's a it's a weird name. It's it's not a good name for uh just the nice girl at school that you're supposed to be into. It is sound it's very harsh sounding. Right. Well she's in she was in the movie Summer of eighty four. Uh yes. she's also on Riverdale. Oh yeah, you know it. Did you know this too? Well, I just I recognized her. Well fuck, man. I don't know. I didn't she- recognize anybody. She 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 looks very similar to how she looks now, and I like both those things. So yeah, I saw I saw it. Yeah, so I'm like, those are fun. Those are fun things to learn about the cast. Uh, rest of the cast. Uh, frankly, I don't have the energy to go through and find everything everybody did. Um, but the big people to worry about are Stacy Travis and Valen Shinye, Gerard Plunkett, David Michael Paul, and David Thompson. Those are like the friends and the car dealership guy and the brother. Uh that's all the that's all the padding I've got. We have to talk about the movie now. Uh how about this, Corey? There's a section 
on the Wikipedia page. <laughs> this is very unique. I've never really seen this before. Pre-release so reception? Get, yeah. So on Wikipedia, you got your big tab, reception, and then you get pre-release. And it says here, prior to the film's release, the initial reception to the film's trailer was predominantly negative. And, then and you there's got, two footnotes for that. Yeah, and, uh, and the articles are also from Collider and AV Club, so it was getting like a reasonable amount of like mainstream attention. That's right. Yeah, so I remember when this happened. I mean, this movie would have came out when I was in the eleventh grade, so I would have been far past my Christmas Story fandom. You know, it, many years after that night, I hauled the VHS up two flights of stairs, and so um, Christmas Story was in my past, and so. When this trailer was released, I took note of it, um, you know, and then these these articles started coming out. And I was also old enough at this point to, like, not be into something just because it was related to something I liked. Because a couple years before this, Mean Girls 2 came out. And okay. I... I love Mean Girls, and so it just being Mean Girls 2 was enough for me to watch the movie. And maybe Mean Girls 2 is what burned me, because I'd say the Mean Girls is to Christmas Story as Mean Girls 2 is to Christmas Story 2. So now that you understand that. Yeah, that says a lot. Yeah, so so maybe that's maybe that's what killed me. So Christmas Story Two comes out. I couldn't really care less, but um, you know that it's announced. But the trailer drops, and all these articles are being written. And I remember watching the trailer at the time, and it just it felt like it was a parody film or like a fan film. I mean, you can imagine you've seen the movie, and so they edit well, that yeah. to look really schmaltzy, and you've got your lead actor with his dyed blonde hair and it's, it's and uh, it's like and... bottle dyed <laughs> yes yeah like it's um, not even like it doesn't look like they even took poor brayden to the salon for this i know unless he I had know. maybe done that himself because he's young here in which case i power to him for that but if this is what the movie did to him yikes i that that would be my guess. I haven't seen any photos of this guy with blonde hair. Otherwise, I think they did it against poor Braden's will. <laughs> poor Braden, <laughs> we gotta get him out of this movie. <laughs> I, I I tried to look up to see if he had talked about this. In There's the no way he has buried it into the ground. <laughs> uh, yeah, and th- there is nothing. Um, so when this Braden come on the podcast, out, <laughs> when this trailer came out, it was is you know very much uh, you can only dress up this movie in in so many ways which is uh no way at all really i mean you can't trick anyone to see this movie and also um i think they they're making a specific type of movie and so they marketed it exactly like that so the trailer uh is just as grating and corny (laughs) and uh off-putting as this movie is and so um after seeing that trailer eight years ago i I resolved to, you know, Never not be interested it. in this movie. And so I hadn't thought about it since then, really. You know, I've probably stumbled upon the Wikipedia page a couple times. That's probably where I heard that uh, young Braden from Wallows was in this movie and thought, hey, that's kind of funny. But besides that, um, hadn't seen this, didn't think I was ever going to seek it out because I... I I thought I had a good idea uh, of what it was from the trailer. You know, sometimes you see a trailer and you're like, oh, man, that showed the whole movie. I don't need to see the movie now. <laughs> cool. Thanks. And, and, and this was like that, except 
um, instead of spoiling plot beats, it just spoiled the quality of the film. Yeah, I'm also surprised it got a big trailer because it's put out by Warner Premiere, which caught me immediately because I had never heard of Warner Premiere. So as the credits were opening and the movie was starting, I was Googling it. Warner Premiere is a direct-to-video label. So it's not like they were planning a big release. Like, Yeah, it, it might have just been one of those things where, you know, uh, they put out a trailer because straight to video movies still use trailers to get families interested in stuff. And maybe someone just picked it up, wrote about it, and then it snowballed. Probably. Yeah. Because also, um, I'm looking at the DVD box cover here. Did you see the slogan for the movie or the tagline, rather? No. The genuine, authentic, 100% American Christmas is back. What the fuck does that mean? <laughs> Man, what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> well, I guess it, I guess it's a play on uh well not a, even a play on it's just a it's just a a reusing of what the first movie is all about and that the first movie very well might have a similar tagline. I'm trying and to so, find that out. A tribute yeah, to, out. a tribute to the original traditional 100% red-blooded two-fisted all-American Christmas. Here's the thing. Oh, this movie ruins it. <laughs> that's what I was about to say. Here's the thing. The way that's described makes clear that, like, what we mean by this is that, like, this is going to be a bit wacky, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like, that. this is directed by the director of Black Christmas. This is going to be a bit uh, off. And this movie just guts it. Oh, my God. <laughs> much like, and, you know, much like it does with um everything else you'd want from a movie. <laughs> Uh, this movie is, um, nothing. It's nothing. I actually, I was struggling to write down thoughts to convey on a podcast about the movie. Most of what my feelings are relates to structural choices and aesthetic choices rather than actual, like, plot or, yeah, plot ones. Because, uh... This is the least compelling movie ever made. This is a movie that is actively attempting to not give you anything to give a single shit about. I could not claw my way kicking and screaming to care about what I was seeing. And so I really don't have a lot to report. Um, It looks really weird. Everything's got this weird glow to it. Oh, as if, okay, yeah, let's go. Let's as, go for as, it. Okay, so it's got this weird glow to it, and I was like, what the fuck's up with this glow? And I'm like, is this just recreating? I think this is what it's doing. It's recreating, like, through pure nostalgia goggles, like a really idealized version of the late 40s, you know, 50s kind of a- aesthetic, and to do so, to emulate this, like, family wholesome good time feeling, whatever the fuck, it's literally glowing. Like, every frame is just, like, got this weird veneer of light over it. Yes, yeah, and it lasts for the entire movie every scene even the dark scenes dude it would be one thing if they started off and you get a bit of the first scene like that just to get you situated i already didn't like it i mean i noted it before i realized that it wasn't gonna go away it looks like they smeared vaseline on the edge of the camera lens but it doesn't go away and it makes it so difficult to not not take this movie seriously because it's a comedy. I mean, it's supposed to be a well, joke, but it, it's it, a com. I just did hand <laughs> motions that you can't see, but it's a comedy. 
Yeah, but it makes it so difficult to like realize you're watching an actual movie. You know what I mean? Like the the original film like... is also a comedy, but it you can actually situate yourself. Do you know what this... it? Do you know what it feels like? What's that? It feels like a YouTube video. Yeah. Oh my gosh, it does. And that's probably why I thought that the movie felt like a parody film or a fan film when it was uh, it's also put into a real the trailer. Short. Yeah, what does the trailer show? Uh, ju- it, well, it's just, I mean, I, I haven't seen it in eight years, but I'll, I'll tell if, you pretty if confidently you remember, yeah. that it just shows every big moment from the original as told by this movie. So oh. you're going to get, you know, you're going to get. Uh, you'll shoot your eye out stuff you're gonna get like Randy getting wrapped up you're gonna get the lamp um they give away the lamp (laughs) you're gonna get like ralphie just looking like ralphie it's like look it's the blonde kid again and he's got the glasses (laughs) on again remember the blonde kid yeah that's fucking miserable and like uh you know the the only two things i have big feelings about are that and the narrator yeah that's Big for me too, man. I think we're we're right in line here. Um, okay, go ahead. This Nat Malden, bud, mm-hmm. can we fucking talk? Can we talk, please? Because I don't want to talk with. I don't want to hear his voice. I don't know if the director had any input on this, or because this was the writer. The writer had a vision, but yeah. this is. I'm prepared to say it. The worst cinematic performance period i have ever heard ever ever no Corey. uh (laughs) normally when you when you get like this it's like okay Corey's like kind of exaggerating it up a little bit i am absolutely with Corey. everyone it is terrible i don't know what this guy is doing okay um try to replicate it, it please it lasts throughout the entire movie. Oh, dude, I really don't want to. I would, ha- I would have to like get close to orgasm because that's how he sounds <laughs> the entire movie. But he but also dude, he just loves he loves his childhood and he loves Christmas and he loves the forties. Oh, and let me tell you something about the Red Ryber BB gun. And he, I'm dude, he gonna sounds... fucking pre, dude. dude. <laughs> he sounds like a dog, you know. <laughs> Like he sounds like <laughs> he sounds the like human the dog version from of the dog. He sounds like the dog. Yes. He does. If the, dog oh my from God. Nut, if the dog from Up was about to nut. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> like you're, uh, whatever you guys are picturing, listeners, that is what he sounds like. It is. It is abhorrent how he sounds. And I thought maybe he was doing an impression of the original narrator and I had just forgotten. And so I went back and that is not the case, dude. The original (laughs) narrator, like obviously he's putting on a bit of a storytelling voice, but he sounds like a real human. And this dude, this dude doesn't, this dude ain't, ain't is acting so hard and it is, it is terrible. I mean, (laughs) Talk about, like, (laughs) the beauty of a Christmas story is, um, like, it makes you think about childhood, even even when you're a kid. Like, it it makes you think about things you've done that stick out in your life. It's like, when you see the the scene where uh, 
I think Flick is his name. He puts his tongue on the pole and then his friends leave him there. Even if that hasn't happened to you, it, it makes you think like, oh shit, like this, this reminds me of the time that this big thing happened to me and my friend group. And the movie has this way of like um, capturing these moments that are really big to a kid um, and and moments like that are heightened around Christmas time because you're so excited for this deadline and you've got a lot of time with your friends and um, the the setting outside is different than it is for 75% of the year and so right. it's easier to situate your memories and so A Christmas Story is like all about childhood and um and thinking about those memories and loving childhood really yeah. loving it from the perspective of from the perspective of an adult but this movie makes me hate childhood yeah. because the narrator is like laying it on so thick like oh man i cherish my childhood it well and it's weird too cuz he's also 15 going on 16 and it's like think about the potential for treating um your teenage years with the same kind of like care and tact that a Christmas story has for childhood, that could be really compelling because you're going through a whole different set of experiences that you can remember fondly, right? Like where is the wholesome dazed and confused? This could have been that. Yeah. And um, it isn't. And you know, going through the motions of the narrative, it's just like people having weird conversations but that in itself doesn't make you as a person go, oh, man, family, my family's so crazy. Remember when this happened? It just makes you wonder, what the fuck is up with these people? Like, why are they like this? Why is this man screaming at the furnace like a fucking maniac? Um, but then the rest of it is like, it's it's bad, but it's not offensive. You're just like, okay, you're just bored, right? Like the, the mailroom sorting and the fighting in front of Santa and the being horny for cars it's just like okay great but it it's all executed so weirdly and like can we talk about those weird interstitial like vignettes like he's fighting nazis and like going to jail and getting hanged even though he's a child and like in a different presentation or a movie that has a more playful sort of child young person state of mind those would for be example a christmas story correct those would be fun sort of like escapism fantasy bits here they're just really fucking jarring and weird like he gets a handed a literal bag of money by the president and in all of them too basically all of them he has this moment with like drusilla the girl he is a crush on who throughout the movie we see her with her boyfriend her boyfriend who in my memory of the movie doesn't seem like a bad guy or anything he just happens to play football like and ralphie happens to be a dweeb but then by the end of the movie they like get together and i'm like but why <laughs> you know like because things he, happen because he wanted it dude because he it feels it's like weird it, it's so like weird, it. it's weird wish fulfillment it makes me wonder what the fuck is up with this writer <laughs> yeah like i think dude i think that ralphie got like hit in the head so hard by his dad like um that he fantasized the last little bit of this movie i don't think he gets the car at the end and i don't think he gets the girl and i think he got clocked in the head so hard that now as an adult 
that's why he has this uh this weird affectation for his childhood that um doesn't like from feel right genuine before the accident <laughs> yeah it feels like we're we're trying here it honestly feels impossible to discuss like at length like what do you even say about it you know like in depth dude it the first three four minutes of this movie really graded on me because um it so quickly bastardizes and exploits everything good (laughs) about the original and i'm not a guy that thinks a remake or a sequel to an original movie ruins that original movie at all but what i do think is that if your remake or sequel is mining that original movie in order to make people like your movie and it's just a game of oh hey that's that thing i remember from that original movie um then your movie is going to fail really quickly because you're not doing anything of your own and so this movie um it starts off by cranking the nostalgia up really quickly by doing this weird dreamy filter. And so it's like, okay, we don't, we don't have to make people nostalgic about the past at all because we're going to treat it like it's not even a real thing. Um, you know, Christmas story, the original, it, it takes place in an ambiguous time. It's like the thirties or the forties. We don't quite know. Um, and as a kid, I, I barely even realized that I thought that it took place in the eighties, but just in like a, a smaller town where they didn't have more technology just because the people still feel like real people. Um, but this movie doesn't have that at all. And so it's, it's totally, uh, using a cheap tactic in order to portray uh 50s america and then in um in the house in this opening scene you just get so many bits from the original movie used in such rapid succession um and it's the strangest thing because they're not jokes but they're also <laughs> not they're not doing they're not like commenting on the original movie at all they're not not reflexive um, it's just referential yeah yeah so you get like the old man swearing in a sort of mumbled way you get uh, ralphie's little brother getting wrapped up too tightly in christmas clothing you get the lamp being mentioned really fast um and honestly like i've mentioned it a few times but just the way ralphie looks feels so cheap to me because it's years later you don't have to make him look like such a weird copy of the original actor actor like it i get it it makes sense this kid a few years after the first movie would still have glasses and he would still be blonde but because it one it looks so cheap like the dye job is really bad it just it feels like i'm supposed to look at this kid and be like oh look i remember that that's kind of what the dude in the original movie looked like instead of feeling like this is um a character i can understand something new about it's just more of before and i hate it yeah no it's uh it's not good 
The amount of snow is depressing, too. Yeah, I don't and know also, where they shot this movie. I don't know what they were thinking, but there's a lot of cement in this movie, and it's yeah, there's awful. Also, there's also a bit early on, A, uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't say that the the phrase Mortal Kombat is used in the first, like, two minutes. Um, <laughs> have to get that in there. But uh, I think he says they're in, they're in Michigan in, like, the fiction of the movie. Like, winter fell over Michigan. But then he says his dad is, like, the best, like furnace fighter or rat finder whatever the fuck in all of northern indiana and i'm like well where are we <laughs> like literally where are we then <laughs> like what are we doing yeah that is strange i think now that you've said those two cities i think but the michigan would have a ton of fucking indiana. snow so, yeah so yeah totally indiana. they'd it have makes... a lot of snow <laughs> like... yeah it uh, it really bothers me that the disregard this movie actually has for the christmas experience and making sense as well um really bums me out because it's called a christmas story too even if i don't know anything about the original if i was a kid and this movie is called a christmas story then i would expect something christmasy but this movie does such a weak sauce job of just doing sitcom jokes and then like happening happening to set them with like a gift wrap or something in order to make it Christmassy. But then you get these exterior scenes that it's just like some snow uh, melting on a cement sidewalk. And the biggest thing that bothers me about this movie is that it doesn't have the, it doesn't have a buildup and release that one a typical movie should have. But like you said, Corey, there's like barely any plot to this thing. Um, but two, it doesn't have the buildup and release that I think Christmas movies should have, particularly movies about a childhood, a, a child's experience with Christmas. Because the reason that Christmas time is so magical and Christmas story captures this really well is that you know Christmas is coming and you're so excited for it and every day leading up to it just feels like um, it's it's like so magical because you know that this day is upon you and so the magic of that day stretches out into all these other days but you're still on edge because it's not quite the day where you're able to be so excited because it's Christmas time and so in a Christmas movie, um, once Christmas Day hits, it should feel like uh, a big release. It should be the climax that most movies have, but um, totally focused and uh, like accented by the Christmas Day. And this movie doesn't have it at all. It is just uh, vignette to vignette just like the first movie did, but this movie, it doesn't have the... Um, I don't even... It doesn't have the, the je ne sais quoi that <laughs> makes it feel special. And so by the time Christmas Day happens in this film, I'm like taken off guard because I've forgotten that this is a Christmas movie and I've forgotten that it's Christmas time. Um because the whole movie has just felt like a sitcom that doesn't actually take place like in the in the uh in the plane of time and space. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 otherworldly in a really off-putting way. And honestly like beyond that like 
because you remember the original better than I do, like you've said everything I would have said and probably better than I would say it. So like, I don't know what else to add. It's just weird and bad, not offensively bad, but bizarrely so. The the but, tongue scene was pretty offensively bad. Yeah, I, I guess. It, that was a bit Flintstones in Viva Rock Vegas, all things yeah, considered. Yeah, that was, that was fucking vile. But overwhelmingly, it's not that. I will say, uh, did you watch this on YouTube? Like, did you rent it on YouTube? No, I rented it on Apple TV. Okay, I rented it on YouTube. This is the first movie I've rented on YouTube that I've noticed um, a really negative dislike bar and a bunch of angry comments. So this is the first time I think the YouTube consensus has agreed with us. Shit, yeah, well, there you go. I mean, the movie's been out for eight years and the tide hasn't turned. It hasn't become a Christmas classic. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, that's... I'm, uh... I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, let me just say, um, I watched this movie with Brianna, and she loved it. Uh, and when it was over, um, she turned to me and she said, "Well, you guys have finally done it. You've watched the worst movie possible." <laughs> she might be right. And like, she watched she watched Flintstones Rock Vegas with me. Yeah, I mean, I, she's seen basically all these things. Here's the last thing we have to decide, I guess, before we go. Which one's worse? Um, I thought about that. And in my memory, I would rather watch Viva Rock Vegas than watch this movie. I agree. And that's because, crazy. Because there's more action in Viva Rock Vegas, and I have less affection for... Um, I have less affection for the Flintstones property and um, j that genre of of movie because they're both comedy movies ostensibly, but Flintstones is like a zanier, slapstickier, prop based comedy. Whereas this movie, I think, is is trying to take place more in the real world and it's also taking place around Christmas time. Something I have a lot of affection for. So taking. The original films out of it because I don't care about the original Flintstones and um, a Christmas story. I haven't seen it in a while, and besides that, I um, I th I think I would be I would be able to set it aside if this movie were doing something different. But um, just in terms of Christmas time, this movie fails at being fails at being a Christmas movie. It fails at being uh, a, like a childhood family movie because we've seen those as well and I've liked them. I really loved the Air Bud movie we watched and this isn't that. Um, and it fit, I love Leave it to Beaver and it fails at being a comedy movie because I, I didn't laugh once, Corey. I mean, this movie is such a caricature and the original Christmas story is it has like amplified moments um like the way that the old man swears that's something that is a it's a storytelling tactic and it's not the way things really were uh ralphie says fudge instead of fuck and that's like a storytelling tactic it's it's um things that are being done in order to make you laugh but also to tell a story from an interesting perspective but a, a Christmas Story 2 doesn't have any of those 
tricks at all. All it can do is take the the what it remembers from that original Christmas story, which are like these these big moments that everyone remembers but the heart is totally gone because you've just plopped it in this movie and then you've made it even wilder because you think that that's going to be funnier so you get way more of the old man swearing you get a lot of people saying and that dude sucks the dad sucks he fucking sucks he's the shitty fuck that guy marv oh my gosh what are you doing (laughs) um and uh you get like Ralphie saying bitch a couple times because that's edgy and funny. You get the tongue scene, but in this movie, the the impact in the original Christmas story, the impact of the tongue is that the the kids leave him there and he has to um, fend for himself while they're in class. And you don't stay with the dude whose tongue is stuck to the pole. It's about Ralphie feeling guilty about leaving this dude. And so the tongue is like a it's just a stepping stone in order to tell something about these characters and about, you know, when you're kids, you, uh, you're selfish and, and, uh, and you might leave your kid, you might leave your friend alone. But in this movie, it's just, we remember that a tongue is, has been used before. (laughs) So let's do the tongue and let's really show the tongue and it'll just be so zany and crazy. And so it's like, uh, it's a caricature of a caricature and I I really can't stand it. The one scene that I liked in this movie, and I was like, oh shit, this is, it has done something that the original did, is the very f- first ice fishing scene we see where the old man is with Randy, and they're just sitting in this really snowy, uh, tree-lined, um, frozen lake, and ralphie sorry randy is bummed that he has to be ice fishing with his dad and his dad is just like telling him that it'll build character and and that's it and then and then we're off to another scene i liked that because one i um well here i liked that because it's the sort of thing that one would remember from childhood where it's like oh man i had to do this thing with my dad and it's totally miserable and i can see that it looks miserable on the screen because of all the snow and how dark it is and it's not over the top um and it's just it's it's a nice little christmas memory that feels genuine um but also is kind of funny because this kid is just like stuck out on the lake with his dad. And then the movie totally ruins it because it turns out they revisit the ice fishing thing <laughs> over and over and yeah, it just like gets four times. wilder and wilder. Like we get to the point where we have a, a puppet fish being pulled from the ice hole and uh, it is just, it's awful. And so, um, the ice fishing thing that's I'm not going to be able to remember a nice ice fishing scene from this movie now because <laughs> the ice fishing that's actually in this movie is terrible. It it was uh, it was my mistake to think that this movie <laughs> was actually just going to be a bit more subtle. And yeah, this movie is uh, is terrible. I would rather watch Flintstones Fever Rock Vegas. I don't know how I'm going to top that, so I'm just going to agree with you. <laughs> Cool, and I think that, I don't know. I yeah. I, as a gift to ourselves, let's call it a day on Christmas Story too. I think maybe we'll get a good Christmas movie next year, Corey. My gosh! I mean, last year we had plenty. 
So no, like the Christmas Day, Christmas mm. Day movie. We've had some good stuff this month too. But. Yeah, yeah. You know, we're the masters of our own destiny here. I guess that's kind of on us. How high could our re- expectations have possibly been? <laughs> we'll see. Send in suggestions over the next year. We'll see what happens. Yeah, and uh, you know, before that happens, we are gonna go get out of here, get ready to celebrate Christmas as safely as possible, given the stuff well, i don't know why we haven't just been calling it the stuff this whole time that's pretty good <laughs> that is good there should be a remake of the um, stuff <laughs> larry cohen's movie the stuff but it's it's, it's about COVID. yeah it'd be better than that fucking michael bay produced movie they just did with riverdale guy oh absolutely my um, gosh yeah but uh you know i hope everybody's having a happy holiday season and is doing what they can to celebrate while also avoiding the stuff and um We've got one more in the pipeline for this year that is going to be a New Year's Eve spectacular. (laughs) So you can keep your eyes peeled for that. And in the meantime, I'd like to thank everybody once again for listening to another episode of They Made Another One. You can find us all over the internet on Twitter at They Made Another, which is all one word, and on Letterboxd at TMAO. You can find episodes on Anchor, Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Breaker, and everything else as They Made Another One. You can reach us via email at tmaopodcast at gmail.com with recommendations for future episodes, questions, comments, and what you think happened to Ralphie's hair. Our fantastic thumbnail art is done by Jay Dickinson. You can find on Instagram at Jade Sketches and our custom-made soundboard clips when the soundboard works or courtesy of Jason DeLine, who you can find on Instagram at DeLineMan. Liam, where can people find you? You guys can find my film writing, Alter Ego, Graham the Haunted Marshmallow on Twitter and Letterboxd. My username is Graham the Mallow. And you can catch me on Twitter and Letterboxd at Mr. Corey Price. And you can hear my other podcast with friend of the show, Neil, where we are rewatching and discussing all of the classic fantasy action combat television program, Mortal Kombat Conquest, which is under MK Podquest on Twitter and all your podcasting services. And with that out of the way, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, and we'll catch you here next time for more. They made another one? Merry Christmas. I have a Christmas cookie in my mouth right now. I'm so happy. That's appropriate. Things have turned out okay. (laughs) Everything worked out in the end.